Hallelujah. Nothing else will do, Lord. Nothing else will do. Father, for myself, I am sorry. All those times I just sang another song. I'm sorry when I came with my own agenda. I'm sorry when I forgot. You're enough. If I have you, I have everything. If I have you, I have everything. Lord, we just want you. Nothing else. We just want you, Lord. Hallelujah. That song has become my my theme song in this season of my life. How many are glad the Lord is long-suffering? Merciful. Be kind to people. Be kind. Give people space. Because He sure does. I'd have been lost, undone long ago without Him. Oh my God, how does I'm going through a wonderful and terrible season right now. It's wonderful because I'm seeing more of Him in a way I've never seen before. And it's terrible because I'm seeing more of me. That's not yet like Him. That's a good place, I think. Forgetting those things which are behind. This one thing I do, one thing. I press. I press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Father, we press towards You. Oh, in Jesus' name. I think You can be seated. I think. Thank You. Thank You. It's so wonderful. His presence. This is... Uh, okay. <laughs> the day's going to come when announcements are just going to have to go away. When we have worship like that, that brings you right into the presence of God. Some other way has got to be established. And I don't have the wisdom yet. Probably Jim will get it. (laughs) We do want to let you know that there are transcriptions. Not transcriptions. (laughs) You can transcriptions of the prophecies. And I believe there's three pages that are already typed and printed and ready for you. And thank you, Prayer Center Tulsa, for all your help. And uh, they're on the table as you exit the building on the right. I've already gotten all three for myself. If the Lord's going to be gracious enough to come and speak to us one-on-one like that, I think we sure ought to pay attention to what He's saying. I never take those things lightly. And also, we... We're not doing the offerings like we normally do with an exhortation and passing the offering buckets. And part of that is because of the COVID-19 thing. So there's a little white treasure box, it looks like, back there. And uh, 
There's some envelopes beside it. And if you'd like to give your offering that way here, please remember, we thank you for your faithfulness. And then if you're watching online, then you know there's a way to do it through PayPal, through the website. Thank God for your faithfulness. Thank God. And I'll never forget when he really opened up in Romans 10. It says, how shall they hear without a preacher? But how shall they preach unless they be sent? Somebody's got to do the sending. And thank God for each and every one of you that does. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. See, when you've got a thousand messages on the inside of you and you want to do all of them tonight, <laughs> then I have to wait, really, for His leading. And he told me long ago, he said, I've become a steward, and it's just, it just is what it is. I've become a steward of the mysteries of God, and I'm, I'm still understanding more of those mysteries, thank God. But he says, if I'll let him lead me, let him pull the volumes off the shelf in the way that he wants to for each service, then each and every, he's going to minister to each and every one of you, not only in this room, but also those that are watching around the world. So my job is to let him do that. Boy, he keeps bringing this up, and I, it's not at all in my notes. It's not what I'm planning. We're going to do a short offering exhortation, if you'll allow me, from, uh, from the book of Malachi. Oh, open up to Malachi chapter 3. Now, my job is to hear and obey. This is not in my notes at all. Not at all what I had planned. Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. It's, very, it's right before Matthew. And yes, I am going right where you think I'm going. And I was raised in a denominational church, <clears throat> and I heard these same verses all of my life at offering time. In fact, it was for the longest time I thought Malachi only had one chapter, and that's chapter 3. <clears throat> I'm going to do it the way, I'm going to exaggerate a little bit for teaching purposes. But this is the way it seemed to me growing up in the denominational church. <laughs> and it always would just start right here at Malachi 3, verse 8. <clears throat> you got to have the bullfrog anointing. <clears throat> Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse. For you have, I'm not making fun now. This is, I'm just telling you, this is the way it seemed. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. And I'm not, you know, I love the word of God. Now, just stay with me for a minute. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. Prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Now, I could go on. You know, this goes on for quite a while. The standard, normal teaching. And it still goes on today in, in not just denominations I grew up in. I see it on TV. Some of them have modified it a little bit. I heard... I've been watching this one fellow that I still I love him, appreciate him. I'm not going to tell you who he is. He's still on TV today, and 
used to, he was just about as bad as I, not bad, just about as strong as I did it right then. Now, the most recent, I heard him say it like this. He's, he's modified a little bit. He goes, well, you're not really under a curse. We know Jesus bore the curse of the law. You know, he's come that far. Being made a curse for us. He says, but if you don't tithe, well, you're not cursed. But just think of all the bad things that will happen to you if you don't tithe. That's the same thing. It's the same thing, you know. Well, now, even before I... I want you to understand, Sue and I would never, ever, not ever, let our giving drop below 10%. I just see, got quiet when I said that. I don't want you to think... I, listen, but it's not because I think I'll be cursed if I don't. I'm smart enough to know the church needs to keep the lights on. The church needs to pay the staff. Uh, how many appreciate air conditioning on a day like this? Okay. Uh, Carpets need to be cleaned and sometimes replaced. Light bulbs actually burn out. I know. You came for revelation. You're getting it now, I'm telling you. No. I heard one, one fellow say one time, you know, because the government tax is about 20% if you really add up everything. He says, you know, how come God can run his kingdom on 10% but our government takes 20? I don't know. Now we tithe because we, we're, we understand, just like then, there needed to be finances to do the functions of the kingdom, you know, the priests and all of the things that had to happen. Well, the same thing goes on today. But let's get to the word, see, because, well, what do you do with this? What do you, it's there, isn't it? Well, I, I did this, I did this almost unlawful thing, Bronk. I listened to Pastor Dave. And Pastor Dave says, well, how about you just assimilate the whole book? Oh, wait, wait a minute. There's a, there's a chapter two. And there's a chapter one. Who knew? I don't think I ever in my... Now, I was raised in church. Like somebody... I, you know, y'all do know I had a drug problem when I was a little child. I did too. Yes. I got drugged to church Sunday morning. I got drugged to church Sunday night. I got drugged to church Wednesday night. And if there's a revival, I got drugged to church every night. In all of those years, I am serious. In all of those years... I never heard one preacher ever read out of Malachi chapter 1. Isn't that, isn't that sad? It's sad, isn't it? So, I actually started assimilating the books. And let's see, where are we going to start? It's so good. Let's start here. Verse 6. Malachi chapter 1, verse 6. Now, this was a long time ago. And I, Dave had been teaching on assimilation and assimilating the books. And so, I'm just doing what he said. And I'm going through here and it says, A son honoreth his father and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Saith the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests that despise my name. And you say, Well, wherein have we despised thy name? You offer polluted bread upon mine altar. And you say, Well, wherein have we polluted thee? In that you say, the table of the Lord is contemptible. Now, here's the verse. And if you offer the blind for sacrifice. Now, he's talking about a blind sheep or a blind uh, cow or whatever, a bullock, whatever it was that we're bringing. You're supposed to, if you have, if you're offering a lamb, let me ask you, what kind of a lamb are you supposed to offer? 
spotless, the best one that you have, your favorite, the one that is your pet, the one you hand feed. That's the one you offer, right? But see, they weren't doing that. They were bringing the blind one. He said, well, if you do that, is it not evil? Or if you offer the lame and the sick. Now, he's talking about bringing a, a, a sick sheep or one that's broke a leg or something, you know. Is it not evil? Offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee? Or accept thy person? Saith the Lord of hosts. And now I pray you, and that's Malachi speaking, I pray you beseech God that he will be gracious unto us. This has been by your means. Will he regard your persons? Saith the Lord of hosts. Who is there even among you that would shut the doors for naught? Neither do you kindle fire on mine altar for naught. I have no pleasure in you, saith the Lord of hosts. Now get this. Neither will I accept an offering at your hand. Now he just got through telling him in chapter 1, I'm not going to receive your offering. I don't care whether you bring it, whether you don't bring it, I'm not receiving it. Yet in Malachi chapter 3, bring you in all the tithes and offerings. There's something happens between chapter 1 and chapter 3. And for additional tapes by Gary Carpenter. No. <laughs> well, there's a lot to teach. You can do a whole seminar out of this. The book of Malachi is not about offerings. It's about honoring God. That's what it's about. See, and really, why did God want them to bring their best sheep? Really, the image, if you go all the way back and look at, it was the, the, your pet, the one, that, the one that would follow along beside you, the one that you would hand feed it, had no blemish, perfect, spotless. Why did he want you to offer that one? Because he was going to give you the best lamb. He was going to offer you. What he was going to give was the greatest, most valuable, the most precious in all the universe. And we need to honor him. Because every time you offer a blood sacrifice before the cross, you're really paying testimony to the one that will come. That good stuff. Now let's get let's get back to this. So the old covenant, new covenant, because it it plainly says, and under that covenant, they were it, he did make a covenant with them. Listen, if you'll do it correctly, if you'll honor me, if you'll bring the tithes and the offerings and offer the best lamb, if you do all that, he the, when he says, I want to pour you out a blessing. He's talking about rain. He, this is Israel. They they either have rain or they they die. You, you've got to have agriculture over there. So he's really talking about pouring them out a blessing. This was a real covenant with them. But see, when I go back through it as a new covenant man, understanding the born-again trail, understanding what we know, and I'm reading this, so I'm coming down to the first part of the chapter 1, like we read a while ago, and I come to verse 8. And I says, oh my, if you offer the blind for sacrifice, let's talk about a blind sheep. So my first thought is, when I, when I next time I offer a lamb, wait a minute, Wait a minute. I'm going to offer the blood of a lamb and what? Put it on top of the blood of Jesus that's already been shed? This covenant has been done away. This covenant has been fulfilled. I am no longer part of this covenant. I belong to a new covenant which is established on better promises. So all you can really get from this is the honor part. 
what God's talking about. If I am your father, honor me in everything that we do. And I don't want to just go by and offer a, a tip to God, you know. Okay, keep my blessings coming. Here's your tip for the week. That doesn't honor God. See, No, I need to be thankful. I like how Pastor Dave used to say it. He said, I, if we're going through a famine and you find in your, in your pantry, you've, how do you say it, one can of beanie weenies. <laughs> That's all you've got is that one can of beanie weenies. He says, you want to offer a sacrifice? He says, you offer up the sacrifice of praise and you worship Him and you thank Him. I thank you for this can of beanie weenies. You're offering up the sacrifice that He's after. And that's a grateful and a thankful heart. Amen? Don't be letting them, don't let anybody put you back under the law. That covenant has been fulfilled. The curse, He has already borne the curse for you. Amen? Now I still, I'm never, Sue and I would never let our giving drop below 10%. Why? We understand that it takes, it takes finances to run the church. And to be honest with, yes sir. I went like, <laughs> see somebody needs to hear this. Like he said. Okay, let's talk about gospel entrepreneurs for a minute. And I may be talking to someone in another country for all I know that's, that's, you may be, may be talking to you. Dave used to warn us all the time. He says, you know, that there is a legitimate calling to make money for the kingdom of God. We could teach tonight on the, the parable of the pound, the, you know, stewarding the pound. We could teach on the talents. We could teach from Romans 12 about the simplicity of giving. Let he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. We could talk about governments and, and so forth. There is a calling on people. To literally do business to make money for the kingdom of God. And Pastor Dave would teach us on that. But he says, now the problem is this. If you don't do this message of mortification and edification and put to death the lust of the flesh. He said, what usually happens, because it's not easy out there. I mean, that's a, that's a dog-eat-dog world. Uh, you know, that, that he used to say, if you're going to swim with the sharks, you sure better spend a lot of time flying with the dove. Because what usually happens by the time you do start making the money, and may you really do, by that time usually what happens is the money made you. And all of a sudden you need a, you need a, a vacation home. And all of it, then you need a, this, and you need a toys, and you know, a cruise, and then you need that over there, and, and uh, okay, I see what he's doing there. Isn't it amazing you get free of the tithe until you make a million dollars? Now you gotta remember the guy, when the, when the Lord gave them the pound and the pound increased, how much of the increase belonged to the Lord? Come on you students, how much of it? All of it. But it's amazing what happens so often. You actually make the million, suddenly I'm going back under the tithe. Ten percent is the Lord's. Ninety percent is mine. I like I like how David. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to finish with this because I'm seeing pictures. All I can do is just follow the image on the inside. See a real gospel entrepreneur. They're, they're sort of like the ditches, the the streams, the lakes, or the rivers rather that would feed into a behind a dam. They built a dam, and then they, that reservoir gets filled by all of these ditches. And streams. He says, now you gotta know this. He said, every stream 
that faithfully lets the water flow into the reservoir. Every ditch is well watered itself. And that's Matthew chapter 6. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added unto you. He'll take good care of you. But we serve the risen Christ. Just like the, it's no different than the pastor, the apostle, the evangelist. We're, it all belongs to him. Same with that office of giving. Hallelujah. Did that bless you? I, I know that blessed somebody. Somebody needed to hear that. Because, of, now my message actually begins now. No, I'm t- <laughs> Hallelujah. Say it with me. Revival, Revival is now. now. Revival is now. It's already started. This revival, he's already told me, I'm, I'm sure he's told many others also, if, if the Lord tarries, it, they may put a moniker on it like the third or fourth awakening or something like that, but in reality, it will be known as the presence revival. And it's not going to be just the presence in a few like the Smith Wigglesworth or the Amy Simple McPhersons, and thank God for all of them. This one is going to be a Joel's Army presence revival. And his presence is going to be so strong, even in, the, Dave would say, Joe Public and Mary Wallpaper. Healings are going to happen in the Walmarts, on the streets, in the parks, at the schools. Children will be laying hands on other children and they're going to be healed. Smith Wigglesworth, when he saw this, this revival that we're entering into now, he said whole hospitals will be emptied out. Whole hospitals. Glory to God. So, he's been having me study on presence quite a, quite a bit. Now, there's a face-to-face document. Again, I'm just following. I have, to, I have all kinds of notes. He doesn't seem to care. <laughs> um, there's a document at my website in the face-to-face section where he talks about the presence of the Holy Spirit. And he says it really takes no effort like worship, fasting, prayer, the things we talk about. He said there's really no effort like that needed to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit because he has sent the Holy Spirit to be in the presence of man. Isn't that good? Well, that's the same way he sent Jesus to be in the presence of man. Now, with Jesus, the problem was you had to be in his geographical location because he could only be one place at one time in that form. But with the Holy Spirit, it's not like that. So, I know when it comes to the Holy Spirit, every believer already has the presence of the Holy Spirit. Okay, Can we agree on that? Alright, now let's take it one step further. If you're a Spirit-filled believer and have the ability to speak with other tongues, and again, I thank God for Pastor Dave, who eloquently taught us all of these things line upon line. Don't have time to go back and lay those foundations, okay? If you don't have those foundations, they're all available for free at daveroberson.org. Well, which ones should I listen to? All of them. More than once. If you haven't, you don't have anything else to do. Just do that. But he taught us eloquently because it's the Spirit that gives the utterance. It is the Holy Spirit creating every syllable of that language. So if Gary Carpenter or you, if we're going to speak with other tongues, I can't create the language. 
It doesn't originate in my mind. It doesn't originate with me. It originates with the Holy Spirit. And Dave meticulously taught us. Now, the Holy Spirit, that language... Wow. When I do that, it gets louder. (laughs) How about that? This is God. Oh, anyway. (laughs) I got a new toy now. (laughs) (laughs) So, So Dave would teach us, and that's the Holy Spirit creating every syllable... But see, we, he's on the inside of us. And there is a place in us. We have a spiritual mind, and Dave taught us eloquently about that. The Holy Spirit has a mind. And there is a transfer. There's a place in us where that every syllable passes from the Holy Spirit's mind to our spiritual mind, which then allows us to speak those syllables with our tongue. But it is most certainly not us generating the syllables. It's the Holy Spirit. Are we in agreement on that? Those of you that's been through all that, okay? Well, that tells me if that's, you know, if you can legitimately, and I'm sure everyone in here can, and probably 99% of the people watching can pray in other tongues. Well, what does that tell you? Well, the presence of the Holy Spirit is in you. He's in you or you couldn't do that. Now, see, and we could go even one step further. Even King David, under the Old Covenant, there's, I don't. I didn't look it up for you. You can look it up. But he was talking about the presence of God. He said, "Where could I go to get a, you know, to, to escape your presence? If I went to the desert, you're there. If I went to the mountaintop, you're there." He even says, "Even if I went to hell, you're because God is omnipresent. He is everywhere." All right. So we could all say, "I walk in the pres- I have the presence of God with me all the time. Couldn't we say that? But now let's let's talk about presence for a minute. Because I have, the, I've been able to speak with tongues now for many, many years, and uh, I have seen the gifts of the Spirit flow through us at times. And I thank God for the gifts of the Spirit. But see, this and the gifts of the Spirit are all going to be in manifestation, but it's going to be a little bit different because there's going to be a maturity level. See, Jesus didn't wake up every morning and go, "I hope the gifts are manifest through me today." I don't believe that's how he woke up. No, he was he was the serving son. He was the son of God who served from the father's table. That's why when that one person came, he was blind. But still, Jesus said, what, what would you have me do for you? Meaning, he's like the waiter at the father's table. He, he's like the, the finest waiter that there ever was. You know, he's got that towel draped over there. And he's like, well, I see you're blind, but... See, one time this happened in, in a Othello, Washington. I was up there doing some meetings, and he brought a guy in a wheelchair. Well, I immediately started praying for the guy to be healed, and he had to stop me. He said, no, I don't have any other way of making a living. This is how I get my money. <laughs> SS, so, you know, he came to pray for his wife. He literally did not want to be healed. Okay, you live and learn. <laughs> but anyway, but Jesus, you know, he's saying... It, it's almost, I can almost see him looking back at his father's table. Well, what is it you'd have me do for you? Because I can serve you anything. I can serve you anything off my father's table. God, God, that's where we're, that's this revival. I can, man, I want to, my, my spirit wants to run right now. Just, that's, that is where we are going. Praise God. Now. Talking about presence. We're talking about manifestation of presence. I've had the gifts flow through me. 
And then I've tried to operate in those same gifts at other times, and it was like it was deader than a doornail, you know, just nothing. Why is that? Let's talk about manifested presence for a minute. God is everywhere. Are we in agreement? Do you have the Holy Ghost in you? Are we in agreement? Let's talk about the mountaintop where Moses went in the book of Exodus. And the people all saw it. And there's thunder and smoke and earthquakes and lightnings. And it says there's a trumpet blast. That's a, that's a ram's horn, by the way. That's the shofar. And it just said it got louder and louder and louder. And you don't know how loud it got. And when the people saw that, would you say there's a different manifestation of presence at the top of the mountain than there is at the foot of the mountain? And But God is everywhere. Isn't that right? But there's difference in manifestation. And boy, when they saw that, it says they backed way off. <laughs> and they said, Moses, we got a new deal for you. You go up. <laughs> you go up and talk to God because we don't want Him talking to us. Now get this. Lest we die. That's always the flesh right there. The flesh knows that if you get in direct communication with God, mortification has come to the flesh. It fears you talking with God. It fears this. I'll just, this is free. (laughs) It's all free. (laughs) Moses going up to the mountain and talking like that is such a type and shadow of praying in other tongues. See, Spirit man, you go talk to God. Go in behind the curtain. Go up to the top of the mountain. You go talk to God. Once you understand what He's saying, you come back and talk to me. The people are a type of our soul, or you could say the flesh. And the reason for that, see, they said whatever He says we're going to do it. That's what they said. But what they did was what the the parts they wanted to do, that's what they did. And the rest of it they didn't do. I'm glad Gary has never... No, I can't even say that. Not even joking. God, is that a type of my life? Those days are over. Those days are over. I just want you and nothing else. Whatever you say, that's what I do. But there is a diff- The point I'm trying to make, or he's trying to make tonight, there is a difference in the manifested presence of God. Be turning to... Uh, 1 Corinthians 15. I want to do a few verses. I hate to bother anybody. But could anybody get me a bottle of water? It's my fault. I ju- Angie keeps telling me to bring the bottle of water and I just keep forgetting. So, I'm getting a little dry. Let's uh, preview. Okay, so there's a difference in manifestation at the top of the mountain than there is at the bottom of the mountain. There's also, a, a when you come to the tabernacle that Moses, thank you, she opened it for me this time. Did you notice that? <laughs> I couldn't let that go unrewarded. You know? <laughs> Hallelujah. So in the first, in the tabernacle, the tent of meeting that Moses built in the wilderness, and he built it after the pattern that God gave him. We know there's an outer court a middle court, and then the Holy of Holies. Now, the Holy of God is everywhere. Does God fill His temple? Sure He does. Would you say that the presence of God was in the outer court? I would think so. I would think the presence of God is in the middle court, or what they call the holiest. Okay, 
the holy place. I think they call it the holy place. Yeah. But see, was there a difference between the manifested presence of God in those two chambers and the holy of holies? I mean, his presence was in all three. But that holy of holies, you know the story. Only the high priest could go in there. Only once a year. And he had to go through these very detailed washings and cleansings and washing of the clothes and and repenting of everything. And even then they tied a rope around his ankle because there was little bells on the bottom of the robe. And as long as he, if he goes in behind where the, the, now get this, where God's manifested presence really is. Now if, if he goes in there and he hasn't done everything just exactly right, if they hear a thud and no more bells, <laughs> that's what the rope is for. You drag that one out. <laughs> Next. <laughs> now get this though. Get this. Cause I think, I think he doesn't care what I think. Got to understand this. Under that covenant, the normal people like us, the normal people, not one of them ever got to go into the presence of God. And that, God didn't like that. This whole thing is about restoring us back to the garden where God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. This whole thing is about restoring his family back to himself. But they couldn't. They could not go into his manifested presence. In fact, they couldn't even go into the middle court. You're, that was only for the Levites and the priests. They're the only ones that could go in there. Your normal average person. He may have me. Let, he may let me do that tonight. That clock. You're going to have to cast the lying spirit out of that clock. I'm telling you right now. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. First Corinthians fifteen twenty one. This is an amazing, amazing verse. For since by man came death, who is who is that? That's Adam. You're good students. It wasn't God that caused death to come, was it? It was by the man. Now that man was born of God's spirit. Isn't that true? God breathed His own life. Into that man. This man has God's spirit on the inside of him. So you, could you say he was a, a God-born man? Or a God, a God-man? In, in the sense, now he's not deity. I'm not implying that at all. But he is a man born of God's spirit. Had the life of God. By that man, death came. Since death came by a man. By man also comes the resurrection of the dead. God did not cause the death. It was caused by a man. And a man has to cause the resurrection from the dead. A man. See, this is really hard. We're still getting past religious strongholds. Not understanding really who Jesus was, is, and is to come, <laughs> and who Christ is in us. See, what this verse is really saying, God could not fix this, not on his own. A man had to fix it. And that's where the devil thought he had mankind locked up in a box. Because every man born was born spiritually dead. And so 
the devil thought, I love how Dave said it. Nobody says it any better. He says, you cannot get a savior from a spiritually dead gene pool. Everybody's born dead. Nobody is qualified. See? Who would have, if nobody would ever dreamed, only God is this smart, that God would become a man, literally become a man. Similar in fashion to the first man, Adam. A man, not deity. Now, see, right there I'm going to get letters. I already know it. He's God in the flesh. I know that. He's Emmanuel, God with us. I know that. But he's, he's also a man. Because this had to be paid for by a man. By man. Let's read it exactly. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. Now, that's so important. That's so important, and that's going to bring us into tonight's lesson. Once I understood that, Psalm 1610 just came alive to me. I'm going to read it to you. You don't need to turn to there if you, unless you just want to. See, there's a promise to the Messiah centuries before the Messiah came. And in this psalm, here's the promise. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither wilt, thy, neither wilt thou suffer thy Holy One to see corruption. You've got to understand this. The man. You talk about faith in the Word of God. This Jesus knows what He's about to do. When He gets on that cross, He becomes sin. Remember in the wilderness, He said... As Moses lifted up the serpent, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. You notice, he wasn't, Moses was not instructed to lift up a lamb. He lifted up the serpent. Why? He that knew no sin was made sin. That we could be made the righteousness of God. You gotta understand, I want to belabor this. The man Jesus of Nazareth, who laid down his divinity. I know he's God in the flesh. I know all of that. But he is functioning as a man born of God's Spirit in much the same way as Adam was born of God's Spirit. And he is saying, Father, I know why you sent me. I'm going to get on that cross. The cup I'm going to drink, I'm literally going to become sin. And I'm going to wind up going to hell to pay the price. For all mankind. Father, I am trusting the promise. You've got to understand, if God does not come through on this promise, the man Jesus of Nazareth will spend all of eternity in hell. The man. You talk about faith? If I am trusting you, you will not leave my soul in hell. When he says, neither shall my flesh see corruption. That means to the Jew, to the Jewish mind, he has to be raised before the fourth day. You remember Lazarus? It had been four days, what they say? By now he... See, and that to them, corruption began on the fourth day. So when he says, Neither will my flesh, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption, I'm trusting you, Father, you're going to raise me before the fourth day. Isn't that something? The Word is so rich. Jesus of Nazareth... He became sin. I got three verses for you. 
by two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Go to Revelations chapter 1. Revelation. I've been to Jim Martin's seminar. <laughs> Not Revelations. Revelation 1, verse 5. It's faster for me in my phone here on this. <clears throat> and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness. Now notice. And the first begotten of the dead. And the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. We could worship God forever just for that right there. That he washed our sins away with his own blood. But the part I want you to see is, he is the first begotten of the dead. See, Jesus is not the first one raised from the dead. You'll find several New Testament verses that say he's raised from the dead, and he was. But he is not the first one raised from the dead. He'd already raised Lazarus from the dead. He'd raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. In the Old Testament, people were raised from the dead. But see, he is the first one begotten. That, it means what you think, born from the dead. Religion will fight you on this. Our Savior loved us enough to sail into our death. And he became dead like us. He did. That's the cup that he swallowed. That he became the serpent. He became sin itself. And he himself is in hell. And if he, you talk about faith in God's word. If you don't come through for me, if you don't come through God, I'll be here forever and ever and ever. The man, Jesus of Nazareth. Thank God God honors his word. Cannot lie. Let me give you two more witnesses. Colossians chapter 1 verse 18. This is so important. Because I'm telling you, if I tried to preach this in the church I was raised in, they'd run me out of town, tarred and feathered on a rail. But it's the truth anyhow. And it's really important. It's not, I'm not teaching it just to kind of, oh gee, Gary knows something. No, it's important that we understand. Because before this night is over, Lord, I pray with your anointing, one of, the, one of our most favorite verses is going to have a whole new meaning for you. And that's, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Now, it still means what we've always thought. He's the only way to be saved. He's the only way to be uh, born again. But it, there's more also. You're, you're gonna... We need another offering before I get to that part right there. We didn't even take an offering. Man, okay. Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. He is the head of the body, the church. Is that us? We're the church, right? Who is the beginning, and notice, the first what? The first born from the dead. See, Jesus is not the first raised from the dead. But He is the first born from the dead. He is the first one. He is starting a whole new species of person. He's not spawning new creatures in the same way that Adam and Eve did. But He is from that dead species of Adam and Eve. He is spawning a new species of person that have been quickened from death to life. And He's first. He's the first one. Alright? <clears throat> okay, one more. Romans 8.29. Most of you, your Bible should just fall open to Romans 8. You know. Thank you, Lord. And Alice. Thank you, Lord. Romans 
says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. Now, let's don't get hung up on predestinate. What this is talking about, he made a decision before the foundation of the world that he's not going to repent of. You're not going to talk him out of it. What is the decision? Everyone that believes on the Lord Jesus Christ shall be conformed to the image of his son. It's just so, so plain. That he might be the first what? Born among many brethren. Hello, brethren. Hello, brethren. He is the first. There was never one before him. Born from the dead. He is the firstborn. There was a secondborn and a thirdborn. Barry's number's in there somewhere. Bronx's number's in there. My number's Jim. Your number is in there somewhere. We are the many brethren that he is not ashamed to call us his brethren. You belong to a whole new species. How dare you think about going back under the law? How dare you? You're a joint heir with Christ. You're a... Male or female, doesn't make any difference. You're a full heir. Son of God. Joint heir with Christ. You're the prodigal that has returned. It's more than returned. He said, this my son was dead and is alive again. That's you. And what he says, put the, put the sandals on his feet. Put the, the signet ring of my authority on his finger. Clothe him in the best robe of righteousness. This my son. And, it, and the father is more overjoyed than you are. See, we always picture the father in a certain way, like he's always on the throne and he never moves, but Jesus keeps portraying him different. It says that father, when he saw his son returning, and not only ran to meet him, it says he fell on his neck and kissed him. Your father's more overjoyed with you than you are with him. And he's, we're going to have a lot more fellowship with him than we've had up till now. Hallelujah. Well, you've got to understand, Jesus, the righteous, was made sin. He became dead like us. He is the first one ever quickened from death to life. The firstborn from the dead. What made it possible? How did Jesus return? This is from the first John series. His own blood paid the price for him too. Now, we're talking about the manifested presence of God under the old covenant. I'm going to, yes, sir, we're going to teach a little bit on the tabernacle now. Just, I got to put my notes away or we'll be here forever. Let's teach on the tabernacle. Not the temple, the tabernacle. That Moses erected in the wilderness. Now, I wish I had, I have a simple little drawing. I wish I, I could have it for you. It's not, it's not, it's very simple. There, there was an outer court. The only thing there was the brazen altar where you'd offer your blood sacrifice. Well, isn't that where we all start? Everybody starts with the blood. Isn't that right? That's where you offer the lamb or whatever it is that you bring. Of course, that's a type in the shadow of Jesus. Every person starts on their journey. So we're going to start in the outer court. We're going to wind up where the Father is. Okay, in the Holy of Holies. Now, they couldn't do it under the Old Covenant. Okay? Let's talk about that just for a moment. In the outer court is the brazen altar. We all start right there. That's the, that's the blood sacrifice. Jesus paid the price for us. The only other thing there was a, a, a laver, a basin that was filled with water. There's the washing of the water of the Word right there. 
So everyone starts. And this is that area right there is the only place where the common people that were not Levites or priests, that's the only part of the tabernacle that they could ever be in. You're not allowed to even go any farther. Well, the next chamber is really a tent. And it's made very elaborately. But this tent had layers of cloth and then skins and there's no windows in it at all. The point, and it's got a thick curtain that we, it blocks out all the light. The point of it is, if you, if yes, sir, slow down. I heard. What, what do you mean, yes, sir? Slow down. <laughs> That's what I heard. Before we leave the outer court, see that outer court. Even though you're saved, in that outer court, it's open to the sky. You're still, as long as you live in just the outer court, you're saved, you're on your way to heaven, the blood of the Lamb has saved you. But the light that you walk by is pretty much the light of this natural world. And that's where most Christians walk, to be honest with you. They do love the Lord, they're thankful for the blood, they're thankful for the Word. And uh, But the, the light, for the most part, that they walk in still is pretty much the natural light of the world. But see, the reason God had that that middle chamber completely enclosed. In fact, the King James says the outer layer was badger skin, which is pretty tough. And there's no windows in it at all. There is no, and it's got a thick tapestry that you walk through. When you go in there, there is no natural light of the world. The only light in there comes from the candle. That menorah which has the seven candles. What's that a type of? I am the light of the world. Those that follow me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. That is Christ in you. You're learning now not to walk by the natural things of this world anymore. You've entered into a place now. This is a type of the renewing of the mind where you're learning to live by Christ in you, by the light that comes up from the inside, the yes, no, uh, the conscience, and also the, you have already talked about the washing of the water of the word. See, also in there was the golden table where the showbread was offered. Well, what's the showbread? What's that a type of? I am the manna. I am the bread of life. You become what you eat. That's a type of the word. As you eat, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word, he was manifested among us. As you eat the word, as unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. You become what you eat. So you're learning to live by the light of the new nature. You're eating the bread. You're becoming transformed. The other thing that's in that inner chamber is where the incense was offered. You're learning to pray. You're learning to worship. You're learning to offer up to God what He's been after this whole time, which is the beginning stage of your fellowship. But see, that's as far as even the Levites and the priests could go. And as good as that is, I mean, you've left the light of the... First off, you're not a, just a pagan. You, you're in the outer court. You're, 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 the blood has saved you. Uh, there's washing of the water of the Word, even though you're still pretty much living by the light of this world, but at least you're with God. And that's as far as the average person, could, the normal person, could go. The Levites and priests, they could go into the middle court, and that's where transformation, I think we've been in that stage for the last 25 years, to be honest with you, with the renewing of the mind and and uh, the transformation, the mortification of the flesh and the becoming more like Christ all the time with the showbread and learning how to pray and worship. 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 
Thank you. But see, even the priests and the Levites, they couldn't go any farther. Because now you've come to the Holy of Holies. Now let's get this. God's manifested presence is on the other side of the veil. And under that covenant, you couldn't go there. Only the high priest, only once a year, only after all those ceremonial, but us, no, no chance. No chance that we could ever experience the literal manifested presence of God. Man doesn't like that. God doesn't like that. That's why that covenant had to be done away. But that's where the manifested presence is. So I'm, he's been teaching me along this line. How many knows in Hebrews it talks? I don't know if I had that verse printed out or not. I might. Yes. Go ahead and go to um, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 22. And thank you, Jim, for printing this out. See, no one, no one was able to remove that veil that separated man from God's presence. Only once a year, only on the appointed day, could one man, the high priest, go in there. Nobody else could ever go in there, period. But Hebrews chapter 10 says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest. Now, he's talking about the holy of holies now. We have boldness to enter by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us, now notice, through the veil. That is to say, his flesh. Now stop a moment. You remember when he gave up the ghost on the cross? Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And he breathed his last. What happened right then? It says the veil in the temple, that four inch thick curtain, was ripped from the top to the bottom. I'd like to have seen that angel. <laughs> That's some kind of angel right there. Ripped that thing from the top to the bottom. What does that signify? Man, you don't have to stay away from God's presence anymore. A way, a new and living way has been made. Think how this must have sounded to the Jewish mind. It was always raised to understand only the high priest. We can't even go into the middle court, much less go into the Holy of Holies. And now all of a sudden, see, how do we get to go into the middle court? He has made us kings and priests. Well, okay, but fine, but now I've come to the veil. He has torn the veil. His body, his, everything was paid for with his body. And when he gave up the ghost, that, that removed the veil. There is no barrier to keep you from going in now. We can enter in by a new and living, living way. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So I was meditating all of these things, you know, and you know how you do, you, you read it again and you pray and you read all these things and you pray it, and it, it suddenly a little vision generated in my mind. And, and it's, I saw Jesus, the firstborn from the dead. He's the very first one. And suddenly he's in the outer court and it's his blood. It's, it's his blood that's been, been offered. He is the firstborn from the dead and I saw all of us in behind him. And he says, follow me. I'm going to take you to the Father. And, really? We're going to go to the Father now? We, we, nobody could ever go in there. They'd all die. You can't go in there. He says, you follow me. 
I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I will take you to the Father Himself by a new and living way that never existed before. You're going to be able to fellowship in the manifested presence of God yourself. And he started in the, he started in the outer court and it's his blood. He is the word. We came right into the middle court. We're all going, wow, dude. (laughs) Nobody could ever come in here before. Look at that. There's, there's the candle. There's the showbread. And then we come to that curtain, but the curtain is no longer there. The curtain is gone. And I'll be honest with you, the first time I saw it, Jesus went right on in, man. He went right on in. And, and, and see, from that point on, now he left the natural realm. It's said, that tabernacle is a type and shadow of the true temple that exists in heaven. And he just went like right into the spirit. He's going right on in where the Father is. I stopped where the, where the veil used to be. I stopped. I couldn't go on. And I didn't understand why. I, I sent the thing to Jim. I, why can't I go on? It was a while. I, Jesus went on. He's in there enjoying the fellowship. But Gary stopped. And suddenly there's not all these people anymore. It's just me. You know how visions are. You just keep praying. I had it again. I had it again. And then finally, this happened. Suddenly my flesh just fell off of me like a bathrobe. I wasn't naked. Thank God for that. When that, my bathrobe was blue, by the way. My flesh fell off of me like my blue bathrobe. And I'm standing there, robed in the whitest robe you have ever seen. The real son of God, not Gary, son of O.R. Carpenter. Gary, born of God's spirit, standing there with a white robe. And I could leave that flesh crumpled up on the floor. And I went in to worship my father. Then later he added even another layer to that. He says, your flesh doesn't have to fall off of you like that if you already have it on the cross. <laughs> See, what's, not, I'm not saying you, I'm saying Gary. I still identify too much with Gary the flesh man instead of Gary born of God's spirit. My flesh is going to be on that cross even more than it has in the past. Even here, when I'm walking here, if you'll allow me, I am the man robed in white. I am my father's son. I must be about my father's business. But no longer is there a veil to keep me from entering right on into the Father. So that our famous verse, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. We had to follow him all the way. He is the firstborn from the dead. We are all the brethren following behind Him, but He has made a new and living way where we can literally worship the Father. And this takes us right to the discussion He had with the woman at the well. Well, where do we worship? Do we worship here in Samaria? Do we worship in Jerusalem? And He says, neither in Samaria nor in Jerusalem. But the Father, what He's desiring are those that can worship Him in spirit Robed, can I say robed in white? In spirit and in truth. The Father is seeking such to worship Him. Think about the three and a, the, the 33 years, I believe it is, that Jesus lived on planet Earth. There was only one human on planet Earth that had the Father's Spirit. Only one born of Him. That one could worship God. 
in spirit and in truth. It's it's more than what they, we love David's worship in the Old Testament. There's lots of types and shadows, but David himself could never be born again because Jesus was not yet glorified. But during his lifetime, Jesus was the only one that could offer the Father. I mean, think of it from Genesis, from the fall in chapter three of Genesis all the way till Jesus was on the earth. There was not a single one that could worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Just the one. God didn't want just one. He is now. He, he, that light went out for three days and three nights while he paid the price. But God quickened him from death back to life. He is the first born from the dead, but he is the first born of many brethren. And every single one of us now can go right past that veil, right into the presence of the Father. We can worship in spirit and truth and we can give him we can literally worship Him in His presence in the realm of the Spirit. Now, I'm still learning about this, but He told me this. If you spend time in My presence, My presence gets in you. Now see, that's Luke 11. That's what we studied last night. That's Jesus Himself. And God even answered it in a prophecy. He says, My own Son, He had to press into me. The man, Jesus Christ, He had to press into me so that He could be refilled with the Spirit. You know, that whole parable start, that story starts, We're after the bread, but what do you leave with? I, I came for bread. But if you do it correctly, what do you leave with? You leave bread, but in what form? Holy Spirit. Because He is the man of... That's how you serve any form of the bread off of the Father's table. You need salvation bread? I have that for you. You need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost? I have that for you. Oh, you need sight? I can serve that to you. You need a new le- I see one leg's chopped off. <laughs> Would you like a new one? Yes, I have that. That's the bread, but it's all by the Holy Spirit. I think we're just beginning to understand the way that the Lord has really made for us into the literal presence of the Father. It is a new and a living way. And it says, let us come boldly. I like the companion verse there. It says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. I'm so glad it doesn't say that we may obtain judgment. (laughs) What's the first thing you get that we may obtain? Mercy and find grace to help. In our time of need. He has made the way for us. He has made the way for us to the Father. In a way I've never really understood before. I'm having times. And I'm, I'm, I'm learning this. I'm just sharing what I, on my journey so far. But I'm having little kisses from Him. He, he doesn't. It seems like he's, he, he gives you just enough to make you an addict. <laughs> I've got to have. I've, I found a new addiction. And I like this one. I've got to have that again. I've got to have that again. I need more of that. And so he goes, come on. It's almost like he takes a step back. I kiss you. And he takes a step back. Now come on. Come farther. And it's, it may seem dry. It may seem, you know, there's no emotion. You know, but I worship you. I love you. I'm serving you. No matter what it feels like, I'm, I love you, Lord. Forgive me for forgetting you're enough. You are enough. I want you. Nothing else. All of that. Kiss you again. Oh, oh, thank you. Thank you. And he takes a step back. <laughs> Come on. What is he doing? He's drawing us into deeper waters. 
He's drawing us into deeper waters. He's drawing us into more of Himself. And the more I know that I know that I know, the more time we spend in His presence like that, the more His presence is going to get in us. And when we leave, we're going to be vessels so filled. I believe it won't just be the one that will come like to a Smith Wigglesworth and say, Sir, you convict me of sin. Smith didn't say nothing. He just got on the train and sat down. Sir, you convict me of sin. What must I do to be saved? I believe that will be happening in schools, in Walmarts, in shopping centers, parks, everywhere we go. The manifested presence of, say it another way, God is going to fill the temple. God's going to fill the temple. And I mean the people around it. Will, sinners will be able to feel it. Sinners will be able to feel it. There's so many people that are hearing this message and many are excited about it. And thank God for that. I'm excited about it. I hope you can tell. But he's alerting me. There's also those that feel like they have so failed God. Like it's too late for me to hear a message like that. I, it's just too late. I've, I've sinned too much. I, I've walked away. And again, that's part of my testimony. I grew up. No, I, I got saved as a seven-year-old boy and I could hear his voice. I remember hearing his voice in my younger years. But about the time I had a car and discovered girls, <laughs> I got far away from God. I really did. And I didn't come back till I was 33. Now, that's a long time. Lots of sin. Lots of sin. And he sent a guy after me that began preaching and trying to get me to come back. And after about six months of listening, looking up everything in the Bible and checking it out, I still remember it was the 4th of July, 1980, about 2 o'clock in the morning in my living room. And I bowed my knee. You see, and I was just uh, so much sin. And I chose to do it. I walked away. I said, Lord, I knew you as a little boy. And I walked away from you. I don't even know if you'll take me back. But if you will, I promise you, you'll never have to come looking for me again. That's what he wants with you. And it doesn't matter. Maybe you've been away out, maybe you've been at the prodigal out there 10 years, 20 years, 30, it doesn't matter how long. All he's asking is repent. Give up that life. Return unto your Father. He will abundantly pardon. He says, just acknowledge what you've done. Just take, like any parent, what, don't lie to me, tell me what you did. He wants to restore you. He has work for you. So let's all pray this again. There's some, still, somebody's dealing with this. Just repeat after me. Father, I am so sorry for all of my failings. I'm so sorry that I haven't always followed you. Father, forgive me. I confess it before you as sin. I acknowledge my sins before you. Father, forgive me by the blood of Jesus. Come into me, come into my life again. Come into my heart again. Wash me clean. Wash me whiter than snow. Restore me to your full fellowship as a son. Father, you'll never have to come looking for me again. I'll serve you all the days of my life. I believe Jesus has been raised from the dead. And from this day forward, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. And I'll serve you all of my days. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He'll receive you. He's not trying to keep you out. He's trying to get you in. Amen. Hallelujah.
Someone has been trying to be filled with the Holy Ghost for a long time. But tonight's your night. I declare in the name of, if you, if that's you and you're wanting to, you said, well, I've been prayed for and I've been, I've tried. Tonight's your night. You hear me? Everyone, please lift your hands. You too. Overseas. You, you that's watching. Say, Father, fill me with the Holy Ghost. Begin to speak. It's just that simple. He fills you with the Holy Ghost. And you begin to speak. It won't sound like mine. It doesn't sound like mine. You'll have your own language. It's Him creating the language. It's Him creating it. Let Him play the mysteries through you. It'll change your whole life. Hallelujah. I see emanating waves of healing are going to start flowing from you as you walk. I mean individually. Collectively and individually. Healing waves. It'll, yes sir, it'll be like Peter's shadow. It wasn't the shadow. They just got within shadow length. They just got close enough. And the healing power of God. I mean, they brought them. What's it going to be like? When all down Beaver Creek over here, all down that Fairborn Avenue, they heard that you're going to be walking down that road. And they bring the lame and the sick. And as you walk by, they just get upheaved. Listen, that is exactly what's coming. That is exactly what's coming. All right, I, I got to quit. I'm so excited. Jamie, would you come back for just a little while? She already had her mask up. She knew. <laughs> I've been wanting to read Psalms 27 and I just haven't got to it. Psalms 27 is where David says, Lord, when you said, seek my face, I sought your face. This goes with last night's message. He's after us to spend time with him. Spend, come away with me, my beloved, over and over and over. Come away with me. Steal away every moment you can, like, like Harry and and Sarah, I found out they're not as newlywed as I thought. They're still newlyweds. <laughs> I can tell by the way they, they have to be touching all the time. That's, we, he wants that with us all the time. All the time. Seek his face. Seek his face. And she's... I just want you... Nothing else, nothing else will do. We were worshiping. At one point, the Lord actually showed me that um, we were right in that chamber, you know, and that we were actually kissing Him and He was kissing us, and that. For those who allowed it tonight, this is like the beginning of this intimacy that is just not going to stop. And so don't let this stop, you know. You can do this at home. You can do this any moment. I mean, I would suggest if you're driving, you pay attention to the road, but he's so precious like this, and it's available anytime. So the Lord said tonight, some of of you have broken through that veil. And... uh, it's awesome. You know, there's kissing happening and it's wonderful. <laughs> Praise Jesus.
Well, take this peace with you. You can stay too. Feel free to stay. But um, if you need to go get some rest tonight, you are released. Otherwise, you can stay and be blessed. We'll see you in the morning.